indigenous nations have been robbed and destroyed throughout the world. And my efforts are just to bring light to this continued rape of the planet and its people. That's what I try to do in my music, raise awareness. You're listening to Unsettled, Journeys in Truth and Conciliation, a podcast that supports the decolonization of Canada and the rights of Indigenous peoples. I'm George Lee, my co-host is Jessica Vandenberg, and our guest is Art Bergman. It is always a great honor to be asked to acknowledge the land we stand on and the peoples of this land. This podcast is being recorded on the traditional territory of Treaty 6, Métis Nation, Zone Number 4 in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. And you may be joining from another treaty region, another Métis Nation zone, unceded land or a different area. We stand upon a land that carries the footsteps and hearts of many First Nations, Métis and Inuit peoples that have been here for thousands of years and many generations. We would like to acknowledge our and their relationship with Mother Earth and the traumatic and oppressive history that they have been through. It is an interconnected relationship that we have with land spirit, but we're all relations and we all have an obligation to that relationship. This land has nourished and healed, protected and embraced us. And we're grateful to the Indigenous peoples that have been stewards of this interconnected relationship with Mother Earth and land spirit. We're all relations, and as such, we all respect each other in our beliefs, but also our own individual relationships with Mother Earth and Land Spirit. And so from my heart and spirit to yours, I open this podcast in a good way. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 6 of the Podcasting Phenomenon. We can call it that, right? Unsettled Journeys in Truth and Conciliation. Dropping on Thursday, November 4th. 2021. Our guest this time is the musician Art Bergman. He's a singer-songwriter, punk rock pioneer, and supporter of Indigenous peoples in Canada. You'll hear some of Art's music during the podcast, in addition to our excellent theme music. So those clips will come from his most recent album, Late Stage Empire Dementia, and the one before it, The Apostate. In the conversation Jessica and I have with Art, there are a few notes of optimism. But this interview did take place a mere few days after news broke of the discovery of unmarked graves at the old Kamloops Indian Residential School. So, the tone is decidedly somber in places. We discussed the issue of children never making it home from residential school, and we also discuss the role of music and the arts in allyship, Bill C-15, and whether it's going to accomplish anything, A few of Art's songs, most pertinently perhaps, The Legend of Bobby Bird, the role of listening in being a good ally, and more. Caution, swearing ahead. You've been warned. Okay, let's go. Full of sea. 
So we've got Art Bergman with us today, singer and songwriter who also happens to be an ally of Indigenous peoples in Canada and who this year received a membership in the Order of Canada. So Art's off in the virtual electronic wings, as it were. But before we move into the more formal part of the podcast, uh, we're going to give Jessica a chance to speak about something that's on a lot of people's minds right now. We're recording this episode a few days after news broke of the horrific discovery of the remains of 215 children on the site of the old Kamloops Residential School. If you're a regular listener, you'll know that Jessica is the co-host of the podcast. She's an Indigenous person. She's a member of the Dene First Nation, and she's a mother of Indigenous children. Jessica? Thanks, George. The residential school story we've talked about, and it goes back to when settlers came to Turtle Island, back even to the 1500s, even though a lot of literature says the 1800s, it actually goes back a lot longer than that. And it was ingrained into the legislation through the Indian Act, along with a lot of other oppressive systematic issues. We could list them all off, but there are so many things wrong with the Indian Act that I don't want to really go there. But the discovery of the remains of these children have rocked Indigenous people across our country. We've seen settler people stand up beside Indigenous people as allies and speaking out and wearing their orange shirts today. And there was a lot of memorials set up over this weekend, a lot of prayers given, a lot of smudges done, a lot of circles holding for a number of days. And we need to honor the lives of those children. We need to pray that their spirits have made their way to creator. We need to send our positive thoughts and healing thoughts to the families because we have talked about intergenerational trauma on this podcast before and complex PTSD and PTSD and the effect of abuse and abuse was very rampant in a lot of residential schools and some people still are in a lot of pain from their experiences and it's intergenerational and it's passed down. My birth family have gone to residential school. I did not because I was a 60 scoop survivor. I was put into the adoption system instead. But intergenerational trauma, we believe that you carry the bundle of the seven generations previous. And so I carry with me the pain of many generations before us. We know the families of these children, they carry the pain of many generations. And it's just horrific what has happened. And I just wanna say from my heart and spirit to those families that we honor those children, we hope that the country stands up and listens, that things need to change, that apologies need to be made. And it has to be more than words. It can't just be words. It has to be authentic. It has to be real action that comes out of this because there is still racism happening. There's still prejudice happening and there's still oppressive systems that exist today. And we are hosting this podcast in hopes of encouraging people to take up the calls to action, to take up not only the truth side of the equation, but also the conciliation side. And we use that word in the name of the podcast too, 
that it's something that can't be made up for. We can't make up for the lies of these children. We can't make up for the hurt that's held by the family. We can do our best to do better and we can do our best to help people heal. And that is what conciliation really means to me. And so today we paused, we have honored Orange Shirt Day in the past and today a lot of people are wearing their orange shirts and that means a lot. I think that's where I wanna end. Thank you, Jessica. Art, if, if there's anything you wanna to respond to in that, feel free. I couldn't cover it any better than that. Thanks, Jessica. I'm a, I'm a singer, I'm a songwriter. That's what I do. I'm not an intellectual. And uh, you can intellectualize horror, which this country has continually tried to deny over decades and centuries now. I mean, the trauma is huge. I mean, I heard of a man today in the Kamloops uh, region at that school who called us their daughter a whisper because they taught their children to whisper, whisper in their sacred languages at the schools so they wouldn't get caught. And uh, that's just dumbfounding to me, whisper. Vancouver-born, you came to prominence in the Canadian punk scene, although you don't really like the term punk rock much, but you did come along in the in the late 70s when other people were doing that kind of thing, and so were you. You'd been in a few bands prior, but you kind of broke through with the Young Canadians and they hit Hawaii. A few more bands, and then you transitioned into a solo career in the 80s. I think it's more complicated than that about how that worked between the naming of the band and you being marketed as a, as a solo artist, but we'll put it that way for now. And more success in the 90s, including Best Alternative Rock Album in the Juno Awards in 1996. Couple of hiatuses in there for a couple of reasons in your life. And then you landed on the independent label WeWork and uh, released songs for the underclass in 2014, which was an EP. Stayed with WeWork, releasing the album The Apostate in 2016. And then just a few weeks ago, as we record this, 
Last Stage Empire Dementia, an album that does not suggest a particular mellowing of spirit, if I may be that judgmental about the album, uh, after four plus decades of making music, there's a lot of edge to it. And as the name suggests, it speaks about current empires and what they are doing and not doing. There was also a re-release in there, and I think in 2017, called Remember Her Name, which was a remastered version of your self-titled album from 1991. So, recently made a member of the Order of Canada, and upon receiving your CM designation, you said, and I'm paraphrasing here, although you appreciated the award, what you felt was more important than the honour was that Canada honour the treaties and improve living conditions for Indigenous people. You called Canada a work in progress. That got the attention of Jessica and me. And then I was embarrassed to find out that I hadn't paid attention to your career, especially when I started listening to some of the music. Yeah, I had a couple of down periods. I've been an addict and an alcoholic. Hopefully I'm through that now. I'm just an angry, an angry old man now. <laughs> <laughs> I believe in harm reduction and giving people resources. I got through it when uh, you were considered a your outcast in the late 80s, early 90s. So I've been there on the street. I've been homeless. And Whoa. I've written about all the people that I've met on, in my travels. And uh, the late stage Empire Dementia is just the end of my road of uh, what I think about. The world and how we could do so much better just looking at that little blue globe from those satellites every night i, I did look at a picture and even the maps they used to make showed africa as a tiny little continent next to america but africa is huge and it's been ripped apart indigenous nations have been robbed and destroyed throughout the world. And my efforts are just to bring light to this continued rape of the planet and its people. That's what I try to do in my music, raise awareness. So Art, it's a pleasure to have you here today. And you've had such a, a great career and you made mention in your Order of Canada announcement around the Indigenous issues in Canada. And that meant a lot to me and it meant a lot to a lot of people. And I just wanted to explore a little bit more with you why that's important to you and, and why you felt that message should be given. And because it, it is such a great platform that you used. It was such a great statement. Not being educated in these matters and going through life not knowing, but being a great reader and starting to read about colonization and the history of the Americas, books like 14, a general reading, like books like 1491, who was on Turtle Island before Columbus. They say there was great cities in, in the Midwest, 80 million people here from North to South, at least. It's been very important to me, just a general awareness that something was desperately wrong with the depiction of Aboriginal people to me. And the first shock to my system was listening to the testimonies at the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, especially from one man. I remember him just screaming 
primal voice of pain. I, I hate you. I hate you, residential school. And then reading the story of Cold and Alone, it was in the Saskatoon Star Phoenix about a boy from Saskatchewan called Bobby Bird. The Bird family is a huge family in Saskatchewan. He ran away from Montreal Lake Residential School when he was 10 years old in late October. His bones were found later. They sent out some people. They took four days to send someone out to find him. His bones were found uh, a few months later with a white-tailed deer bone, and a good cop up there kept his bones and kept trying to analyze them to find what their providence was. Finally, by DNA analysis, like four or five decades later now, I guess it's 2014, they finally identified him through his sisters. We've all gone to these schools. They never knew what happened to him. He left in 1969. He ran and he tried to make it home, but he never made it. So I tried to, in my song, The Legend of Bobby Bird, I tried to portray him as all, all the children that were lost. I mean, it's a song I can't even perform. I mean, I got it recorded, but um, because this is horror, complete horror. I can't, I can't imagine what you people have been through, and I'm so sorry. Yeah, I got to speak with his sisters about it because I wanted to get my facts straight, his sisters. And uh, that was amazing too. The damage is so great in this country. It's complex trauma, as you said. Thank you for that. And thank you for using your platforms that you have access to, to bringing light to some of these things. We see as well parallels to Gord Downey and what he did with Chani Wenchak's story and recording yeah. The Secret Path. And I, a I, song. it is a beautiful song. And it just, it means so much to hear this being captured in the format of music. There are so many different ways to tell stories and the oral tradition of, of storytelling is a big one. And music yeah. is, is a way to do that too. That resonates, resonates I think, um, not only with your ears, but with your heart. And it touches upon emotion, the emotional side and your emotional memory remembers this, these stories in a different way than your ears would remember your stories. So it, mm -hmm. I'm, I am glad that you told Bobby Bird's story. Yeah. Nihil, you know that word? Mm-hmm, I do. <laughs> Story of Bobby Bird Neo Ten years old One of those Who never returned From those schools With souls burned Bobby lies in the dark Thinking how hard can it be For a tough Trap line kid like me. It's 200 clicks from the mighty town of Larange. 
to the brush Saskatchewan Cold and alone Hear the wolves moan to Unsettled, Journeys in Truth and Conciliation, a podcast of ideas, solutions, and respectful conversations. I'm Jessica Vandenberg, my co-host is George Lee, and our guest is Arch Bergman. Jessica and I were really excited about getting into the whole area of allyship, but it was also one of the things that I was warned about very early on to be careful with this podcast, that you don't overspeak from kind of a savior point of view. And this was really reflected in our email exchanges before we got this going too, that this, this particular episode, that you didn't want to speak out of turn you're, you're a self-educated person, you've, you've said, you know, you had your music and you had your reading. And it seems to me that listening and learning have been a big part of your life rather than trying to stand up on some kind of pedestal and help people in a way that implies you're the savior. A great tweet today. A white guy said, smug Canadians can now shut the fuck up forever about how great we fucking are. Just that, finally, genocidal nation. It's just pathetic. Just shut up, you know? That's my uh, attack on saviorship. I shall shall try to listen. But I always look at saviorship, too, as it's part of colonialism. The whole idea. The whole idea of Jesus. We're here to save you, my God. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> and the funny thing is just what they're saving, they're saving Indigenous people from is what they put them in in the first place. They're the ones who built the cage and built the prison and built the rules. And now they're going to come in and save us from the prison that they built. And it's just <laughs> so ironic and just so just twisted. Like it's just so twisted. And so many non-Indigenous Canadians don't understand that. They think colonialism came along, tried to save these people, but they, oh, they just couldn't do it because whatever, you know, whatever stereotype you want to do it, instead of recognizing what the hand of colonialism really was. And so much has been influenced by Hollywood, the images people have, the stereotypes have been perpetuated from there. Like the chief and council was set up by the settler people. It's part of the Indian Act. It was imposed. That's not how they ran their communities. This picture of chief and council, this picture of grand entry, all these things came from pictures from Hollywood. Like it, 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 that's not how it was. <laughs> and now how it was meant to be. <laughs> yeah, the whole doctrine of discovery has got to be thrown out. But what you said, Arts, really resonated with me. 
an ally is someone who does just listen to me. <laughs> why did you ever why did you ever start working with me then? Like a big mouth like me. <laughs> I spent many years listening to you. <laughs> I think at the beginning I'm going, this is a this country is overwhelmed with trauma right now. And George is laughing and I'm going, what's going on here? <laughs> who so, is this guy? Approach it differently, I suppose. But thank you, yes. thank you guys so much. But it's true. I know how I have started healing is through being able to find my voice. And if you have your voice, then somebody needs to listen. But you also have to have a sense of humor, and you also have to laugh, and you also have to have what somebody told me once. They said you need the things that nourish your soul. You need to talk about the things that are hurt and harmful and so they get out and then you need to nourish back in you need to nourish back in the the good yeah, things yeah. my wife sherry was just weeping yesterday going what what happened with the empathy with these people who threw babies into furnaces we were just weeping about it i mean it's dehumanizing of people on a huge scale through education is like the other they're not worth it it's impossible to even believe that can we heal from this and i don't know if we can but we look for healing in the next seven generations that's what we yeah. know too i do okay. what i do to make a better path for my children because they don't need to go through the things that i have gone through i know my birth mother as well as my adopted mother likely took on a lot of hurt themselves to keep it away from me and i appreciate that but we will heal future generations i like the idea of nation to nations that canada should not be one country it should be many nations perhaps speaking to each other we used, yeah, we used the term a lot here, a, a nation of nations, you know. We've got Bill C-15 is the adoption of UNDRIP. With Matt, I think we talked about BC's adoption of it and it, their interpretation of UNDRIP and how they still managed to send police in in the pipeline conflict. I'm just wondering if if there are the seeds of reform within within that uh, free prior and informed consent and what that actually means and whether there's anything good out of the out of the bill that is now before the Senate. Well, a lot of, of Indigenous people I follow uh, think it's full of so many caveats that it's a delaying tactic by Canada not to incur the uh, United Nations Declaration of Rights of Indigenous Peoples. We're going to start to try to begin to commence to be very careful of how we do this. I think it's a huge delaying tactic uh, of just baffle gab bureaucratic language that just uh, enrages me uh, again. <laughs> Jessica, do you, what do you know about Bill C-15? So it feels a bit, as you said, a distraction. Many things are a distraction, I find. I've heard a lot of speakers, I've attended a lot of conversations on a lot of the political matters, and there are many distraction tactics, like for the murdered and missing Indigenous women and girls, for example. 
there's there's so many reports and every time it's brought up to the surface again we need to do something we need to do something oh wait 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 we got to do a report doesn't matter that there's already a hundred plus reports done mm -hmm. they need to go do another report similar to some of these bills they pass and they feel like band-aid solutions should they even get through but it's debated and debated and then denied and it goes back the intent is a good intent it is one of those things like it's in the application of it that we need to see what will happen. But first it has to get to a point where it can be, where it can be passed. If the United Nations could adopt this beautiful act of the rights of indigenous peoples, I can't believe why Canada would deny it unless we're just, a, a, the piece of shit we are right now. Canada has turned it down so many times too. Like mm. so many times they turn it down, turn it down for many years now. Now we know why. And didn't support it in, in the United Nations in the first place. There you go. No, that's yeah. very true. Yeah. How, how do we pr pr pressurize the, uh, uh, Monsieur Trudeau? I mean, uh, even his dad would do better than this. It's one of those things where people need to actively talk to their MLAs and talk to their MPs and their city councillors and say, have you taken the Indigenous Canada MOOC? Have you read this book? How are you representing Indigenous people? People need to ask that of their elected officials because they're in those rooms and we are not. Talking about the, 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 the online course that the U of A has, is yes. that what you were referring to? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's free for anyone to take. Um, yep, the Indigenous Canada, and we call it a MOOC, which stands for Massive Open Online Course, and it's the one that was got some press uh, a few months ago because Dan Levy took it, right, and um, and yeah. so it, it got a bit of popularity in the media there because of Dan Levy. But it is still free, and it's still accessible by anybody. Yeah, hopefully people take it. I have been upping my reading uptake. There's just so much like. The Indian app is just an abysmal mess. We're at our darkest moment, I think. Finally, the rest of the country sees what we've done. You people have to tell us what to, what to do. We need to listen to you and shut up. I mean, and I didn't mean to give you an order. <laughs> <laughs> tell us what to do, Jessica. <laughs> <laughs> so with social media the good thing is that everybody knows now the whole country's shocked now and it's it's unbelievable i watched all the truth and reconciliation commission meetings and and missing and murdered indigenous women tribunals and it was heartbreaking to watch and to, to realize that the whole country has ignored it to this day and now they're all shocked. It, doubly shocking to me is it's like we're so ignorant of what's been going on here for 150, 200 years. It's a complicated relationship. <laughs> yeah, hey. That is the truth between us and Canada and the nations and yeah, it's... Um, complicated it's overwhelming i mean 
I mean, where do we start, Jessica? Well, we start by having a conversation, right? And, and we're so grateful that you're coming to have this conversation with us because they're important conversations and what we got to do, right? We got to walk together and we don't know. There's no plan. Nobody has a plan for this. Nobody has a, you know, how do we do it right? Because it hasn't been done before, but we just figure it out and we just keep walking together in a good way. Kids are learning at least. My granddaughter has learned about this and she took indigenous studies on purpose to learn about this. And uh, everyone should read the 94 Calls to Action by the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. I went through them again over the last few days, 71 to 78, I believe, searching for missing children and burial grounds should be an immediate call to action to this country as a whole, I think. I've seen so many of these movements come in my lifetime. And we've seen things like the We Will Stand Up movement and movements coming in the 90s and the early 2000s. And there was little uptake by settler people and organizations. But each movement is becoming louder. Like we saw Indigenous Lives Matter last year. More people took up that cry. And then for this, I am so happy there's so many people recognizing it and hopefully some of those people now take action because of it and that they go back and they change decisions and they rally the government like hopefully more action comes out of this a genuine outrage which i felt for years and you've known about for your whole life so what do we do with our government that continues to fight uh, indigenous claims in court. And that's the hard conversation too, because, you know, we've, I don't know if we talked about the Colton Bushy story on this podcast or not, George, but, but from Saskatchewan, but that's just a good example that the legal system is also there to, they represent the indigenous person. And if you don't have the right person representing the indigenous person, it turns out like that. Not guilty, no appeal nothing for the family so how do you how do you fight the government or work with the government or whatever the right language is in sports so many sports i watch where the white kid gets to just make all these mistakes and grow up in public as so many of these athletes do but the indigenous or the black athlete has to rise to an extra level above it's like a different map is used to analyze them and i think non-indigenous people and just white people generally they almost take pride in feeling that they're exhibiting a lack of racism by being what they think is just as hard on somebody if they're indigenous or if they're black but i think they go the other way they hold them to a different standard and it's very true like i don't know if you two have read or watched the movie Indian Horse. But in Indian Horse, they talk about the hockey journey of an Indigenous boy. And they talk about the residential schools and they tell the story of this boy. But in one of the scenes, if you also watch the movie, the movie shows him playing hockey. And just what you said, George, like he falls down for whatever reason. And then all the uh, um, spectators throw these tokens on the ice 
like I forget what they throw on the ice, if it's totem poles or it's, it's some token that's meant to degrade him. Every time he makes a mistake, the spectators throw these tokens on. And so he has this extra layer, as you were talking about. Mm -hmm. I think it's fictional. And the author, I think, is Richard Wagamis. And he has written, he, he's an Indigenous author. And he has written many, oh, yes. many things. And he does a lot of very nice spiritual teachings as well in some of his writings. is Jessica Vandenberg, and our guest is Art Bergman. If we can kind of sidle into the whole aspect of art, so what do you see the role of... Uh, art and artists in truth and conciliation in Canada. Healing, bringing matters to light, truth. Always tell the truth, be honest. Art is where honesty lies. Saw this beautiful carving uh, yesterday. Uh, it's called uh, Weeping Cedar Woman. A Kixan carver did it on the West Coast of a fallen tree where they're logging old growth in Perry Creek on the west coast of Vancouver Island where they're protesting. A hundred have been arrested so far. It's just the most amazing carving. It her, from her eyes is just, it's carved out as one wa flowing waterfall from her eyes and down and you just gotta see it. That impressed upon me. Uh, what do they call the rainforest flying squad are out there like camping in the in the forest again to protect old growth. Indigenous and allies are there, and uh, even uh, seniors are are camping out up there to try and protect old growth. So that's that was heartening. In art, I think it's a place where you can find an intersection of balance because we are taught to honor the medicine wheel. The medicine wheel has many teachings in it but one of it is balance between 
physical and mental, emotional and spiritual. It's this balance that you're trying to aim for every day to be able to take care of all of those aspects of yourself. What are the four? Mental, physical, your physical self, mm-hmm. your emotional self, and then your spiritual self. Yeah, got it. So these four, I think, can be all addressed in a singular piece of art sometimes versus like the written word would only ever really address aspects of that or one aspect of that. But a piece of art will Mm. speak to whoever is looking at it from whatever lens they want to take. And they can take any of those four lenses, which is very meaningful and very impactful. This carving that you speak of, I haven't seen it, but it does sound like it could speak to many aspects of a person and touch them in many ways. Mm-hmm. Also makes me think a little bit of just this um, richness of the various indigenous cultures across the country that we're all missing the benefit of. Definitely. I think we're all advocates of diversity and inclusion and equity, this idea of decolonization. Like it's all of that that needs to be lived out in all everyone's actions. What culture do we have? The culture of oppression, the culture of nothing, the culture of trash, the culture of garbage, the culture of extraction, the culture of waste just goes on. We have nothing if we didn't have uh, indigenous and and BIPOC music and we, we would have that stinking Bible. You know, that's all we'd have left. We'd have your music, though. We've got a little bit of your music, too, in there. (laughs) There you go. second song first they cleared the plains and they brought in the slaves missing and murdered with impunity missing and murdered with impunity spanish inquisition and empire and colonization and i just call it christo fascism and it's a dangerous idea and we should get rid of it it's a powerful album the apostate is powerful too it has a a gentle 
side to it though i mean some of the songs are quite acoustic there's a feel that just seems like you were on this one trajectory and then this album comes out and it's like yeah this is the way i'm gonna say it this time and it's yeah. just really it's really angry and and full on nobody gets out of here alive so i gotta say this now i mean the apostate was a re reflection on the last 500 years right it's like 20 minutes of uh, of colonization, basically, and then ends with the legend of Bobby Bird. But um, this one just came in, in flashes of anger and and trying to give hope to young people in their in their fights. That that's where our hope lies is with the the young and their education. And they know now. Everybody knows now. What are we waiting for? I think so much lies in our children. The album does definitely speak to wanting to inspire and motivate and, you know, just start doing something, right? I think that's wonderful because, you know, we talk about allyship a lot and it's an uncomfortable space for allies, right? Even even in this, you, you folks gave me space to talk around what happened in, in Kamloops, but it's uncomfortable Maybe George, you want to speak why it's uncomfortable. Why why did you feel uncomfortable to speak? Because settlers also need to speak. Here's here's what happened, Jessica. As I thought about it, and there's been this momentum in the media. I've barely spoken online about it. I've had these feelings. It's not that I don't feel justified in having an opinion on it and feeling awful about it and all those things. But what really came to me is I thought, I know this person who is an Indigenous mother, who has lived colonialism and lived racism like most Indigenous people or all Indigenous people in Canada, has also lived one of the very obvious arms of colonialism, which was the 60s scoop. You've lived that. You've lived that feeling of being something other than the people around you and being treated differently because of the as a child, because you look different than the kids around you and even the ones in your own family, you've lived through all of that. So you have this experience that I have never had that I can empathize with, but I can't totally feel. And I just thought something like this, it comes down to what you were talking about, about trauma and uh, post-traumatic stress syndrome. And it just seemed to me that this must be really affecting you personally in ways that I don't understand. And I just felt that you really, I, I thought that this is about all of us in, in Canada right now. And, and arguably it's, it's at least as much about non-Indigenous people because we have to start accepting the accountability that needs to come with this. But from a personal level, I hoped that you being able to talk about it was something that this podcast could provide. I have a dear friend, Gordon, and he lives in Victoria. He helps me with my projects. He does a lot of work online for me. He was part of the 60s scoop as well. And he appreciates my allyship. For sure. And definitely, I appreciate both your allyship. And thanks, George, for saying those things, because I know a lot of listeners are stuck in this spot where they're frozen. They don't know which way to step, and they don't know how to be motivated to change from being frozen into acting 
and I know you have taken a lot of steps to try out how do we, how, what can we do? And, and you've tried that just by making this podcast and reaching out to these guests and, and reading so much. I give George a lot to read sometimes. <laughs> and he, and he, goes off, he goes off and reads it. <laughs> but you are taking those actions. And I know, I think the listeners are, are very interested in how do you move from this frozen to acting and I know your album speaks a lot to that art, just trying to motivate them, motivate, do something, do something. <laughs> well, I can do, I'm sorry. It is something though, it is, it is. And, no. and you're, do, you're doing something, both of you are doing something. And that is, <laughs> that is piece of allyship too. But I do appreciate the space. Like that does mean a lot to me, George, your empathy means a lot to me. I really appreciate being asked to, to be on the, on your little show. It's, it's amazing to me, Jessica, because I live down in just uh, north of Calgary, and uh, I think it's Treaty 7, unseated land on a, a dilapidated old farm. And uh, I just imagine what this country was when it was wild, and we let our 10 acres go. It's wilding now, and we're the only place with trees around. The rest is like plowed into to nothingness. And we have trees and wild animals here, and uh, it, it's a little representation of what life used to be like maybe 200 years ago. So <sighs> come on over. Yeah. <laughs> we will. <laughs> it's beautiful country down by Calgary. Like I'm Alberta born and raised, born up in Treaty 8. Well, actually I was born here in Treaty 6 in the Indian hospital in Camsdale Hospital, which is no longer an active hospital, but was an Indian hospital here. And then I grew up in Treaty 8 north of Grand Prairie in beautiful country. And we grew up on the farm there. Again, my adopted family is still up there and they make their home up there, but it's beautiful country. But mm -hmm. I've had the, the privilege to explore a lot of Alberta yeah, down by Calgary. Like there's, it's so different. The land is so beautiful. Like uh, it's so different everywhere you go in the province, you have mountains and beautiful lakes and trees. And then you go to Drumheller and it's like, you're on a different planet and yeah. then you go down to Medicine oh, yeah. Hat and you go up to Fort McMurray and the boreal forests. And like, it just, it's, it's such beautiful land and people, needs to spend time on the land, time in nature. And mm. that is the teachings that we have. You can learn so much from nature, from honoring land spirit and, and really feeling the energy of mother earth and all that it entails. So I'm glad that you spend time on the land down there. Yeah. It's a sad day, but I, but I feel like there's momentum for the kinds of things that, that all of us care about uh, in, in this area. to Unsettled, Journeys in Truth and Conciliation. I'm Jessica Vandenberg, my co-host is George Lee, and our guest is Art Bergman.
you know of Tanya Takak? I do, yes, yes. She's an amazing, amazing woman from Inuit, I believe. And uh, she brings forth the earth when she performs through her, her breathing and her singing. It's just an amazing thing. It blows all music away. It's just, a... Sherry and I were both just in tears listening to her wow. uh, a couple years ago at Calgary Folk Fest. We went to a production of hers. She came through Edmonton. It must have been prior than COVID um, because we were there in person, but it was to honor the murdered and missing Indigenous women and girls. And she did a production on that. It was so moving. It was interesting because it was held at the Wind Spirit Center here in Edmonton. But it was interesting that there were people that got up and left. It made them that uncomfortable. And mm -hmm. it just, I, I was, I was a little shocked by that because I felt that was a bit of a disrespect or a dishonor to her and the message that she was trying to bring through her craft. And I was surprised by that, but it, it was a very she emotional. She appeared in, on a late night show in, in, uh, in the U S and people mocked her and laughed at her. Wow. So there you go. <laughs> and that's a shame. I feel like we've covered a lot of territory, but I do want to give you this opportunity. And that is just sort of where it all started with you. The, you know, what the, the complicated history that your, uh, that your father had and how his history and stories might've influenced you. And also we're all children of mothers as well. And what your mother might've done to influence, to influence oh. who you are. Well, it's another complicated story because my dad was a 10-year-old boy when he escaped the Russian Revolution. There was anarchists and sects of people. And of course, they were the indigenous people of the southern Ukraine who were joining the revolution. And dad was part of a German family that had been brought into the Ukraine to farm by Catherine the Great in the late 1700s. So they were sort of settler colonialist migrants moved around and they farmed the world, farmed the Ukraine to the detriment of the people that actually lived there in the first place, the Tartars. And there's, there's an actual really interesting character called Nestor Makhno, who was an anarchist uh, Tartar. He spent a few years in jail and learned a bit about revolutionary politics. And he was one of the instigators of the civil war of the, of the Southern Russian front in the uh, civil, Russian civil war, 1922, 23. And uh, my parents, the complicated story is getting into Canada, but uh, Mennonites had some money stashed. So they, they made a deal with the government of Canada and came to Saskatchewan and took land from natives here. So been complicit several generations down the line here. And still my dad became a socialist and was a, a communist Christian and instilled in me those kinds of values that you, you be kind to your neighbor and treat him with respect and uh, share the wealth. That was his ideal. Those values align very much with the seven sacred teachings of love and respect, courage, wisdom, honesty, humility, truth. Like it, it aligns with that idea. And that's the idea of 
of we are all at a spiritual level connected on this values platform. So it doesn't matter our colors are what we look like. It doesn't matter that. It matters that we walk in a good way, which is living out the seven sacred teachings. Thank you. Mm -hmm. okay. Thank you, guys. Unsettled, Journeys in Truth and Conciliation is a production of Features West Studios in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Co-hosts Jessica Vandenberg and me, George Lee. Theme music written and performed by Kevin John of the Cayucat Checklist at First Nation on Vancouver Island. Logo conceived and designed by Corrine Riedel and Sandy Brown Van Dam. Many thanks to our guest this time, Art Bergman, and also to his label, WeWork for the use of his songs. You can find us, meanwhile, all over the place through whatever podcast service you use. On our Facebook page, we post extra stuff to make our episodes even more valuable. Save a thought or two or more this Remembrance Day for the 12,000 Indigenous folks who have served Canada as members of the Canadian Armed Forces. We promised 20 episodes in our second season We'll deliver 20 episodes in our second season. However, we are on break now until sometime in the new year. We need this time to create some supplementary material, promote the podcast, gather some more interviews, and who knows, maybe even put up our feet for a while. In the meantime, see you later, be good to each other, and stick around for a bonus track from Art from the album Late Stage Empire Dementia, your Second Amendment.
goddamn your second goodbye to your second amendment.